Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Currently, you can drive to the local coffee shop whenever you want and kind of get your work done. Still, it's noisy. There's no printer, projector, or a meeting room. What if the coffee shop was set up to provide the ideal workspace that you could rent by the hour? The concept is called Val, and on today's podcast, you'll meet Mo Hamzian, the creator who is launching a work cafe that marries the best of Starbucks and WeWork, but with the price and flexibility that you need to team anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast. And on the East Coast, I have our glamorous, amazing, brilliant co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. A nine to six is dead. Yeah, we said it. Labor is over. Welcome back to loving what you do. And that is how you're greeted by Mo Hamzian's company's website. Today, we welcome Mo Hamzian, Sloan Fellow and CEO at Vell. V-E-L, a premium, utopian, technologically forward work cafe. Vell was introduced in 2020 during the height of the pandemic with the goal of ushering in a new era of employment. So welcome, Mo. How are you today? I'm, I'm brilliant. Look, after that introduction, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting upright. I'm, I'm excited to go. And uh, what, a great, uh, what a great way to start. So I'm really happy to be here. And taking part in this conversation. Fabulous. Okay, so uh, so we can learn more about you. Just give us your experience. We know that you're an entrepreneur. So if you could bring us through your first or second um, big achievements. Well, well, first of all, entrepreneurship is one of the least glamorous things you can do. So don't let the rumors fool you. Um, I I I came to the U.S. about five years ago, and um, you know I I realized very quickly that. Um, the friction in the U.S. is far less than anywhere else in the world. And U.S., the way it's designed, it's almost if things weren't binary and you were a scientist, almost everything would be a yes until proven negative. Whereas you go to some other parts of the world, it's, it's the inverse, where everything is a no until proven a yes, thereby creating an enormous amount of friction. So number one, um, I feel as entrepreneurs go and as our cohort go, um, being in the U.S. is is just a terrific place to to start a business. Um, and number two, about two years ago, I was you know working in coffee shops, and very re- very soon realized that I've been spending lots of money in coffee shops over the last twenty years, and <laughs> and and I felt a great degree of honestly shame and guilt and inadequacy that I didn't have an expensive office. Oh, <laughs> and, interesting. And, and, and soon, actually, moving forward, fast forward, we realize actually lots of other people feel the same way. But having realized that my home is just not good enough and I don't have a very expensive office, and I spend an enormous amount of time in coffee shops, um, although the coffee is great and the pastries are good, um, the workplace is just, it's almost like being in a 1960s Russian plane. You might get from A to B, but it's just a rough ride. <laughs> and so, so I said, you know what? This coffee shop experience just needs to be upgraded. 
And being the entrepreneur that I am, I realized I could do something about it. I realized I would be forsaken unless I did something about it. And thereafter, I wasn't able to sleep until I started doing something about it and a business was born. <laughs> and honestly, in terms of your question, what are my greatest achievements? I live for today. My balance sheet is about what I've achieved today. Um, and what happened in the past is exactly that. So my greatest achievement is yet to come. <laughs> uh-huh. That's my answer. That's great. Wow. We're Fabulous so- lessons in there. <laughs> so what I'm wondering is... Um, you started, so is it Vel? Is it is that how we pronounce it? It is. It is Vel. And the name derives, We you know, naming a business is almost like naming a child. And it took me three weeks to name my daughter, by the way. She was born and she didn't have a name for the first three weeks of her life. She was called Lola. Um, that's not her name at the moment. But okay. and naming a business, <laughs> um, uh, I do love the name Lola. But naming a business is a very sacred experience because it has to be congruent with its identity, its positioning. It's customer-based, demographic. So Vel, and I'm sure we'll talk more, more about it, comes from this idea of velocity, whereby all human beings, particularly in the workplace, are looking for speed, direction, and trajectory. Um, and we wanted a, a, a name that was almost fictional, that could be a noun, an adjective, could cross barriers quite, quite easily, and for the domain to be available. Um, sadly, Vel.com was um, with a price tag of $750,000, I kid you not. Um, we we couldn't buy it. No one else can. That's the good. That, that's the upside. So um, we settled on the domain MyVel, but the brand name is Vel V E L. Okay. So my next question is, I'm really curious. Is was Vel conceived? Conceived. We're talking about babies. Yeah. Right. Right. Was Vel <laughs> conceived as an idea before there even was a pandemic, or was Vel did Vel kind of come into the world as you saw the pandemic happening and you said, oh my gosh, do I have a great idea? Uh, I think the answer to that would be during the pandemic. Okay. Um, and I, I, one of those things that are really important to me is, first of all, ideas are cheap. I, I come from a school that everyone has a good idea and it, like everyone has a good book in them. It's the same thing. Everyone has a good idea. It's about turning an idea into a concept into execution, and then thereby rolling out that opportunity. And there, there are major gaps and bridges that you have to build. So the idea was definitely conceived um, around or just before the pandemic. But in terms of developing it into a concept, um, the other thing that's important is, is almost a fundamental to good execution is timing. Um, the workplace is changing. There's a whole, wholesale shift, which is now making everything legitimate, of us considering a different social contract when it comes to work. And that would have been impossible five years ago, simply because human beings are a creature of habit and switching costs are real. We don't like doing anything new because we're, we're either afraid or we just, the risk is too high, whatever it may be. So given that this collective shift was in place and the workplace is changing, it lends itself very well to this idea that the coffee shop is no longer fit for purpose. Maybe the coffee shop was fit for purpose nine years ago for a workplace because it was an ad hoc environment. But now the coffee shop is a real place whereby people have been doing work. So it was born during the pandemic. We became very effective during the pandemic. Within a month or two of thinking of the idea and stop conceptualizing, I realized solopreneurs 
are never going to succeed. Statistics are not on our side to be a solopreneur. Um, you need to be a part of a team. I, my co-founder, Jack, who's also our CEO, lives on the same area island that I do. His kid goes to my daughter's school. And I said, Jack, he was in financial management and wealth manager, very successful guy. I said, Jack, how about you stop selling money and come and some sort of coffee instead? Um, and and I thought he was having a midlife crisis because he said yes. And yes, the, he was. <laughs> and, and the rest is just that that was a, maybe a year and five months ago. And uh, we've been doing this together ever since. All right. So before we get into what the heck is a premium utopian technologically forward work cafe, uh, <laughs> you 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 say that the pandemic has changed the way that we'll work forever. How has the pandemic changed the way we'll work forever? Well, let me let me start off by being a bit humorous. Um, That's okay. S- switching costs. I'm I'm from the, from England, obviously, but in, there there is a statistics which is now about five years old. So you might have lots of people writing comments saying, "No, your guess was wrong." But five years ago, this fact was true, whereby you're twice more likely to get divorced, leave your husband or wife in England, than you are to change bank accounts, <laughs> simply because switching costs are so high. Consumer switching costs are so high. So when there's a catalyst in the environment, right. by way of- is that funny or not funny? I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> it's sad, is what it's it sad. is. Okay, right. You know, you tried funny, Mel. That was sad. Right, yeah. right. Sorry, but uh, yeah, finally sad. Yeah, but it, it it is true in terms of student costs. And you know, you look at 2008, 2010, where the, the world went into this major kind of crises and shock because of the of 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 the financial crisis. And count how many unicorn startups are graduates of the 08010 it's uncanny and it's the same thing now there's a major disruption in the workplace whereby um i no longer have to go to work or commute to work to do good quality work my employers recognize that um i've recognized that we've now have a new contract together which says actually i can work from wherever i want if you're okay with it and major employers are getting on board so this idea of the commute is changing. And if kind of people like Malcolm Gladwell, anyone to go by, the, therefore geography is changing. People are now saying Zoom towns are being born where they're saying, well, I live in a secondary market or a tertiary market and I work remotely. So why not? Why don't I live by the beach, um, for instance? So that geo shift is, is coming. Um, there are millions wait, wait, of- I, I just have to cut your phrase. The phrases you're using are priceless. And I love, uh, you said Zoom zones are, are changing. Zoom Isn't towns. that incredible? Yeah, Zoom towns. What Zoom town do you live in? Well, he lives on an island, Ginny. I know, I know he jealous. Yes. And it's marvelous pictures as yeah. you talk. Thanks. Thank you. Well, I mean, uh, th- that is exactly right. I live in a town with maybe 10,000 people. And only today, and only possibly in this country, and only possibly in this era, could my co-founder and I create a company whereby everyone we employ is remote? I mean, I don't see Jack every day. I see him every, I see him five or six times on Zoom, but I see him maybe every other day at school drop-off. And everyone else who's part of us, we're now almost 30 people, including the investors, the advisors, the people on board. Uh, no one lives near each other. And, and we make it work um, because we've created a culture around it. We've created remote culture. And when you're not alone... It's difficult to be a black sheep when you're not alone and everyone else is in the same boat collectively. I'm doing the same thing or thinking about the same thing. That is legitimate. 
now you're actually saying, you know what, it's okay. It's no longer a taboo. Um, it's okay, for instance, to be a freelancer. Maybe nine years ago, 10 years ago, you might have kind of whispered it to your uncle saying, I'm freelancing because, you know, well, he doesn't have a job. She doesn't have a job. But today, Upwork has legitimized freelancing, whereby it's okay, actually, to, to do that as a lifestyle. And people are thriving because of it. Um, Permission has been given. Exactly right, Jenny. Right. So why do you say that you um, open on your website at myville.com? Why do you say the nine to six is dead? What, what's, what's behind all that? Well, the nine to five is been dead for a while. And, and there's lots of Dolly Parton has sung songs about it. It's been, it's been true for a very long time. Um, we, we think the nine to six is kind of shifted slightly and it talks about a different conversation, but you know, I, I'll just regress for a few minutes and, and tell you why we have a conversation about it to start off with. And we realized very early on that what's our identity? Who do we want to be as a brand? Are we a coffee shop? Are we selling technology? Are we selling space? Um, what exactly are we selling? Because time and money is finite. We have to go and invest in that vertical, whatever we're selling. Um, so we realized very quickly as a team that actually we want to sell experience. Um, very much like GoPro sells experience, Disney sells experience, Nike sells experience. Um, so that became very important for us. And experience requires a brand, requires an identity, requires it to be emotional and engaging. So building a narrative which was sincere and topical became like a quest for us because we wanted to, we wanted to galvanize the customer. And we say the nine to six, the way... The way we work and have worked since the industrial revolution um, may no longer be fit. And the internet about 30 years ago shifted that. Companies like WeWork came along and shifted that again by saying to Mo, it's okay not to have a lease because you have a subscription to WeWork. And actually, um, you're perfectly fine to do that. Um, and now it's we are talking about flexible, hybrid, um, and 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 because of that, we need a new kind of work environment and work ethos. And sometimes it's important to fall in love with work again. And labor is the antithesis of that. Um, trudging through things is not is not good for innovation. And that's just a mindset. So us tapping into that is to say, you know, the past is dead. <laughs> Long live the future. We're trying to be one of those startups that usher it. Um, that's that's really the conversation we're trying to start. Okay, great. So tell us what is Vel and how did you come up with the idea? Well, Vel, if you and I met in an elevator, this is what I will tell you. Okay. <laughs> I would say I would say if Starbucks was mom and we work was dad and they decided to have a kid, we would be that kid. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, notice I said Starbucks is mom, the matriarch, which means we're definitely a coffee shop and we're not a co-working. Um, so Vel is in simple terms, a work cafe, something that's local to you, um, hyper-local, in fact, within 10, 15 minutes of where you live, um, behaves very much like a coffee shop, but is, is a workplace whereby it you can still be a transactional user. You don't have to be a subscriber or a member. Anyone can come in just like a typical coffee shop. You can reserve seats in advance. You can get flex flexible privacy in advance. We have the latest technology, latest equipment, um, we have thought about how you work, whether you're on a Zoom call or a phone call 
or think space, or actually you just want to be you know, meeting with someone else. So we've started thinking about the modes of work and build equipment around it and pricing around it in a coffee shop setting um, to really just upgrade the idea of the coffee shop. Um, and we are, we are complementing your home. We're not trying to disrupt your home place because Vel is not cheap. <laughs> um, at some point, we are too expensive. If you want mm. to spend seven, eight hours in Vel, it might cost you $100. And thereafter, you might be better off having a subscription to a co-working. But if you're the kind of customer who goes to a coffee shop four, four times a week, spending an hour and a half every time you go, spending $10, $12 every time you go, well, then there is real no, there's really no choice. If we are local to you, you can reserve a pod or a seat in advance. You have secure Wi-Fi, dedicated space. Um, you have equipment that, you know, we have seats that cost $5,000 just for one seat that you can sit in it with wireless charging, acoustic value, um, LAN network. So all those things are in place. Um, why, why would you go anywhere else when you can travel the same distance, spend the same sort of money and go to a coffee shop that is flexible and designed for you to do some quality work? So we're saying don't don't travel any further. Don't necessarily spend any more than you go to a coffee shop. Um, we want to create this repeatable experience whereby we can we can be in lots of places very very quickly. Um, so that's what so, we are. Just a comment: what you've created is choice, um, and um, that's what the whole hybrid and virtual and why people are happier. They're redefining what work means for me. You know, I can go to Vail on Tuesdays and Thursdays, <laughs> go to Starbucks. For, I just love it, right? I can create exactly right. this, this um, mural of here's what it means. Here's what works mean for me this week. I love that. And exactly yeah. right. This is what we say. We say, look, if you want to go to a wedding, you're going to take your iPhone because that's you're going to take pictures. And if you want to get on your bicycle and go mountain riding and get muddy, you might put a GoPro on. You're not going to take your iPhone. And that's exactly what we are. So you might exactly go to Starbucks on your drive through but when you want to crush it for an hour and a half on your $3,000 computer, yeah, you can only go to Val <laughs> because there's nowhere else designed for you in that, in, for those hour and a half. So it's actually a very interesting distinction there, Jenny. Yeah, yes. well, I love, obviously, you put a lot of work yeah. into who's our customer, and all the different situations that the customer might find himself or herself in. And here it is. Here's this picture. Here's that picture. You know, uh, uh, defining, I, I hate to use this term because it's overused, but defining the why, you know, I said, as you said, we have no choice but to go to Val. <laughs> and and is are there any um, Vales that are, that are running today? There are lots of them running in our heads. Okay. Um, yeah, which is, which is that's where it starts. Um, thought creates reality. Um, we've secured several leases. We're launching in, in Savannah um, in a couple of months. We have a couple of leases behind that. Um, we, we, you know, we have, we, we're highly accomplished people with lots of really interesting backing. And we're enormously ambitious. Like all, I mean, startup culture has to be ambitious. Otherwise, you're not necessarily a startup personality. And which startup doesn't want to grow? Um, 
So we, yeah, we want to, we want to get to, to lots of these uh, valves around, around the country and then, and then overseas. Um, but in next year, we'll probably have three or four of them and then soon thereafter. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny as I connect the dots, uh, Ginny and Mo, you know, we had Barry Winkless on, um, who was the, um, head of, of the future of work Institute in Dublin who was talking about how work will soon be like going to Disneyland as kind of as, as you've po- pointed out there, Mo. And we also had on the founder of cave day, which was, which was a, a, a way for you to um, have accountability and a, an accountability group to really do the hard work. So it seems like Mo, what you've done, you know, taken at least these two concepts mm-hmm. and I'm just saying you have a, a million others and put it together. And yeah, I could definitely see that working like a charm and being everywhere. Um, you know, for me, um, I just need a conference room once in a while. I don't need it, um, every month and I might need a small conference room. So I love it, Mo. I'm, I'm coming, but, uh, Savannah, Georgia is really far from (laughs) San Diego. Well, yes, Uh, I'm looking forward to your advertising. You know, what is that going to be like? Um, and um, the experience piece. Yes, I was thinking of you, uh, Mitch, about I know you're really jumped on that notion of experience. Of experience. And some pieces I, about it. So, so, Mo, what I'd love to do is I'd love to understand this is, you know, and this is my background in marketing. The your typical user, he or she wakes up in the morning and how is your typical user um, the type of person that decides I'm going to go to Vell versus I'm going to go to Starbucks versus I'm going to go um, to WeWork versus I'm going to stay home. And in how many of those people do you think there are? And, or do we, do we not know yet that, that, that we are in fact that person? Wow. That I love the last part of that question. Um, well, number one, um, I, I know enough about, kind of marketing to operate businesses successfully. But we're very excited. We, we've just recently, about two weeks ago, hired a CMO, um, uh, a lady called uh, Jasmine Crowder, and she was a CMO of BeatStars, which is one of the largest music platform in the US. And she joined us um, at Valve. And we, we love that. She's highly accomplished, obviously, but also she comes from this kind of music background whereby the, this level of experience is very interesting and customer acquisition. So in terms of differentiation of product and why one customer would come to us versus Starbucks versus WeWork, well, we would, I think Ginny raised this earlier on, and that is we, I mean, co-working, I love it as a vertical, by the way, because they kind of, they, 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 pioneered, they pioneered um something that maybe Regis was trying for, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But WeWork is almost, almost, or co-working for, for that matter, almost always a commute. It's very rarely simply because of their, their real estate cost, their warehouse solution. They're very, very rarely local to you, particularly local to suburb or the secondary markets where you live. And co-working, I think, is trying to become more micro. We'll see how that goes. So number one. Number two, uh, WeWork or co-working is a membership program. You have to pay $350 or thereabouts to get a hot desk. There is no privacy thereafter. And... One thing we've realized is when our customer is at home, they have psychological safety. They do work really, really well. But after a while, monotony of home and infrastructure of home means 
You just need to leave home and go to a coffee shop or a WeWork. So a lot of customers, particularly the freelance market, um, don't want to be encumbered by a monthly subscription. They find that unrealistic um, just to pay for, for a hot desk. Um, so we, and, and because they don't have the market share, co-working does have, haven't got the market share. So we've said, we want to start off by going after the freelance market, whereby graphic designers, artists, computer programmers, and believe it or not, the numbers are strag- staggering. Upwork and Elderman did a, did a report last year. They do it every year. And you might fall off your seat when I tell you this, but in, in the US, 59 million people last year did some, so, so, some form of freelancing. That's a third of the US workforce, of whom 25 million are younger than the age of 40. At 75% of all designers across the US are freelancers. Um, so when, when you look at those sort of numbers, you realize, and com- com- combine the workplace is changing and remote work is becoming highly flexible and, and less dedicated, you realize actually this, this other third place is becoming important. Maybe 50 years ago, that third place was the library. Today, that doesn't exist. Today, the third place is the coffee shop. Um, because in England, actually, the third place is the pub, believe it or not. Um, but because you need a third place and the coffee shop. So the customer, Starbucks and, and Dunkin' Donuts own 70% of the coffee shop market in the US. But a large proportion of the balance sheet, north of 60%, comes from to-go and drive through And they've realized, let's sell product faster in a smaller real estate. Um, that's what they do. Um, so we, the space isn't there. Um, and Mo, definitely, especially given the numbers you just shared, uh, going after that market makes all the sense in the world. Would there not be a market, and I'm sure you researched it or will be researching it, going to some of the companies themselves because they're trying to uh, get rid of real estate, some of them, or have a different shape to their own real estate, and they could buy the yearly um, VEL for all their employees as an option for them to use, and for also the company to use for that occasional conference that they may have by regions, Zoom zones, um, four times a year. Is that... You're definitely onto something. We 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 are trying. We we are thinking about introducing a team plan down the line. We definitely believe. We we believe the pain point that people exhibit, immaterial of age and function, is the same. Um, and 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 that's why if if you're not at an office and you're not at home, there's very little space to go elsewhere on reliable space. I mean, you can go to a hotel lobby or or Mitch mentioned getting a conference room. Part of the problem of a conference room, if you want it by yourself, you're paying for the net loss of the other three or four people who don't show up. It's, you can't find a conference room for one person. So you're paying $50, $60 for a room because it's been designed for four or six people. Nature of real estate is that way. Well, we have we have phone booths. Each phone booth costs about $20,000. And if I mean, these things are it literally is like sitting in a Tesla. They're incredible pieces of kit. And we're saying for $5 an hour, you can be in that phone booth. Um, and that phone booth, best lighting, best acoustic, best best sound, best air quality, 
um, wireless. It's totally secure. It's your own cocoon that you can do work five dollars an hour. That doesn't exist in the marketplace at the moment. Agree, because um, I look for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I saw it. I saw them. I was at a WeWork two weeks ago, and I saw those phone booths. I've got a question for you, um, Mo. What's your message for business owners who want their employees to have their butts in their seats in their offices at eight o'clock every day? Well, it's very difficult to generalize, but there are lots of businesses that you have to still show up. I mean, the whole of the logistics, I mean, the U.S. is being supported by deliveries at the moment. So those companies definitely have to be there. The companies that don't, I think it has to be, I love the word choice, Jenny used. We have to create an infrastructure whereby we can have both, um, for, certainly for, for, for those major companies. Um, and and not not penalize on promotion or 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 camaraderie because you've decided not to go in. Um, so sometimes it's very difficult to take a car and just chop the roof off and say now it's a convertible. I mean, it's difficult to do that. Sometimes you have to build it from the ground up to really make it a viable convertible. And it's sometimes these large. It's I mean it's the curse of the incumbent, right? Even even Google or Twitter or Uber, these are these are new companies, but they're, they're enormous, enormous companies. They even have a legacy cost, and it's difficult for them to change their footing. It's like an oil tanker trying to do a U-turn. But I think they're trying. The right ones are trying. And it's about the hardest part is to shift culture, to say, it's okay, guys, not to come in anymore. Yeah. And it's okay to work remote. And in fact, we're we're investing... How, how many millions of dollars to change infrastructure of our software, of our uh, of our buildings to support remote? So definitely the companies that are starting today, like ours, we're, we're at a competitive advantage um, to be able to adopt some of those new practices um, than, than the incumbents. Okay, great. This has been fantastic, Mo. Oh, I think we wonderful. could, I've got a billion more questions. You know, I, I'm looking right now at the announcement, Cushman and Wakefield spent $150 million uh, to have a piece of WeWork. I'm sure you're looking at some of that money as well, Mo. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you know, one day when you're super famous, you'll still talk to us. But for now, how can we find you and how can we learn more about Vell? Well, don't go to vell.com because we couldn't buy that. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, it's too expensive. Go to myvell.com um, or honestly, find me on LinkedIn. I, I, I love meeting new people um, uh, and uh, find me there. But uh, I really enjoyed taking part in this conversation. I, I love your show, guys. And um, I'll, I'll definitely continue listening. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mo. Uh, thank, thank you so you, much, Mo. Ginny. Thank you so much to our listeners. I, I bet you've, I mean, I'm just, I'm really excited about this one because it really is connecting all the dots and we're on the cusp of something that will most likely um, be all over the, the country, if not the planet in the next few years. So uh, Mo, thank you so much. Please share this episode with your friends, your buddies, your colleagues, your German Shepherd, and um, and please uh, give us some stars. This was a, this was an awesome, awesome podcast episode, and we look forward to seeing you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Mm-hmm.